time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It's Martin Luther King Day, Monday, January 17, 2022. So good to have you here. I want to honor Martin Luther King and what he did in the civil rights movement. He did his best to right so many wrongs. And we sometimes look over the headlines and go like, gee, did we accomplish that? And it's something that every generation has to step up and do. So for those that are continuing the cause, Martin Luther King Day, it's a good day to remind ourselves, what can we do? honor him and all that he did his i have a dream speech is one of the most studied amazing speeches and one of the guys that i pay attention to an author and speaker is simon Sinek. and he talked about this speech and he didn't say i have a plan he didn't talk about other ways he could friend it up he said i have a dream and i think that's so important in each of our lives when we're looking at us what is our dreams if you don't have a dream I would suggest you're not living to your fullest. You got to have a dream. I had a dream that we could provide an audio format where we can bring mortgage bankers information in listening only mode. I learn best when I'm listening. That's why we created this podcast. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. We got on our hot topic special guest is Whitney Nelson. She is the founder and CEO of Brilliant People. I like being around brilliant people. That's why Alice and Jack and Alan and Matt and everyone else on the podcast, I love being around brilliant people. And I love that the name of her company. And on this program, we're going to be discussing the root cause of people problems. We have people problems? Yeah, I tell you, it's the number one reoccurring thing that we all got to deal with. And it is one of the most complex aspects of every organization. So we're going to be talking about that and talking about connection and community in the workplace and how important we achieve it and how important it is and what are some tools some tips. So it's one of my favorite topics. I love looking at personality apps. I'm looking at different communication styles, learning styles, love languages, also known as the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. I love all of that. Today, we're focusing on aspects of people problems, and I'm really looking forward to that. Time to give a special thank you to our sponsors and partners. We're partnered with IndustrySyndicate.com. Love what they do. Check out all the podcasts at IndustrySyndicate.com. They do a good job promoting out podcasts. Also, check out Josh Pitts over there, what he does. I love Josh, and we're going to be doing some things together. Anyway, special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We also have an Astros Fusion Bot Solutions product, experiencing the power of fully integrated solution. And I like this part, in an open architecture. Check out what Karen Jenkins talked about in her October 4th interview with us. It's really interesting. I think that closed technology, closed architecture is not a good thing. They have made a conscious decision. Maybe that's what's promoted them or made them become the number one fintech company in the world. Seriously, that's what they are. They're number one fintech solution company in the world. And they have many solutions across banking platforms, many aspects of it. One of them is their mortgage bot solutions. So check them out. Also, Lenders One, as well as Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are co-ops. What do I mean by co-op? It's where we get together in smaller groups and connect with our peers. 
so important if you're looking at our organization. Are you talking to others about what you're going through? It is so meaningful to have a membership in both of these organizations. Now, it does not replace the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Don't replace that. But what it does do is it brings you together in a smaller, more intimate way, which you communicate and connect with other lenders and, of course, vendors. Also, Incelerate, Josh Friend does a great job over at Incelerate, helps lenders close more loans by engaging better with borrowers, prospects, and past customers. Check it out. We also had Josh on in June 21st, 2021. Still a great podcast. Go listen to that. Then I would like to say, check out KnowledgeCoop. It's a great learning management system. Ken Perry does a great job of that product. And also Mobility, MMI, and Modex are both sponsors. Grateful for our partnership with them. Also SnapDocs. They have an eVault solution that will make it so simple to get started with eNotes. And it's so easy to transact across many partners. And in doing so, it will make the loans close more quickly. And as we deal more and more with all the various phases and variations and mutations of COVID. I tell you, E, everything mortgage is so important. Then also we have Success Kit. Check out the podcast that we did last week with Julian Lumpkin. So January 10th, check it out. And what they, you can do to have your customer testimonies shared on your podcast or just in your emails. We're working with him so closely and wow, so powerful. Also Lenders Toolkit. We're so pleased to have Brent and Brett at Lenders Toolkit as a partner. Also, a final thank you to goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, Matt, and Jack for their contributions. Welcome, everybody, to the Lickin' and Lending Podcast. It is the Hot Topic segment, and we have as our special guest, Whitney Nelson. She is the founder of and CEO of Brilliant People. And we're going to be talking about root causes of people problems within an organization as well as explaining why connection and community. And we're going to talk about that in the workplace and how important it is to achieve it. And what are some of the ways to do so? I'm really excited to have Whitney. She's a new friend. We're going to be starting to work together. She's going to be working in and through part of our organization, our consulting firm, Transformational Mortgage Solutions, because I think one of the biggest things we fail to transform while we're transforming technology, transforming processes. Are we really transforming people? So let's get Whitney Nelson on. Whitney, good to have you joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I love the name of your company, Brilliant People. I could not name my company that. It's, I would have to say surrounded by brilliant people company. That's what I do. <laughs> and I, I love your passion. It's one of my passions. And I think it's, you sit and look at the value of any company goes out the doors at the end of work every day. And so we got to figure out a way to do this better. And I'm excited mm -hmm. to have you share with us your thoughts. So, but before we go there, let's get a chance so our listeners get to know you a little bit. Well, I'm from Austin. I was actually born and raised here. I know that's not a very common thing these days, but I've been here for a long time yeah, and so, so many people moving in. I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, I, I've been here for a long time and, um, and it's been really amazing and just nuts to see the growth. So we went to dinner the other night and just, Alice, it's like you and I going to dinner. It's so much fun and we have such great conversation and we had the intent about talking about the podcast and what she's doing. And then I found out also what Whitney is passionate about, and it's really a special topic, and I want to get into that at some point in time down the road. But you're a delightful human being who's trying to make a difference in the world in so many areas. But let's start with what we could do in the workplace. So the first question is, what is the root cause for people problems within an organization? What are you seeing? Well, we like to sum that up by saying people differences trigger people problems. Uh, people differences. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. 
it's a, I mean, it's a pretty simple statement, but when you think about it, it really does come down to that. In a lot of situations, a lot of the problems that we're seeing, that's the bottom line, is that there's some way someone's showing up, some way that they're talking to others, that's the problem, is the other side's not understanding it. That's such a true, and there's many factors that go into that. Let's get over to Jack. Yeah. You're talking, Jack, about connection and community, well, so we'll let you go there with that. Well, David and Whitney, the root cause of people problems in an organization. I've always felt that the organization expects a commitment from their people, but very yeah. seldom do they return that commitment. Do they make a commitment to the people? right? Educate me, help me grow. No, the company just wants you to do your job. So I look at people and the organization, it's got to be a two-way street, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And I think that that's one of the problems that I think happens a lot. We, we've all heard this, that we've got issues with managers, people that are being moved up into a management position because they were an amazing individual contributor. And so they move them up into having the ability to manage other people, but they've never managed anybody else necessarily successfully. They've managed themselves. And so to your point, the organizations that are doing that, it's almost like they're setting them up for failure instead of supporting them through the process and making sure that they've been developed to a place where they can get up into that position and then successfully lead not only themselves, but also a team. Leading a team, all the various things that go into that. And there's no one better to talk about that and than Alice, who does a lot of training on all of that topic. So Alice, going to you. Yes, I agree with you, Whitney. We offer a mandatory team leadership training for that exact reason. We have team leadership community. We have future leaders. We have multiple leadership community trainings because we recognize that need that not everyone's cut out for that. So I have a question for you. That, that's a whole lot of different personalities. Is there yeah. one personality in the workplace that you find is better than another for this kind of growth? No. Personally, I really believe that we need them all. If I use myself as an example, I've got a pretty strong, uh, very strong personality. I can come across um, very passionate about whatever it is I'm passionate about. And I might completely blow somebody out of the water who is a more reserved person or someone who maybe needs to process a little longer when we're sitting in a meeting and I'm throwing out ideas. And so to me, I feel like when we can help people understand who you are in the mix, who other people are personality-wise, and how people perceive us, then we start to understand what our strengths are and what our challenges are, and then we can figure out where the gaps are, and then we really start to be able to dig into how you might be able to fill a gap in an area that I don't have the knack for. So for me, I, I really don't feel like there's one type of personality that's the best in every situation. I think that we really need them all. Well, multiple personality types. I mean, there's the various, like there's the sanguine, there's the phlegmatic, there's the choleric, and there's the melancholic. We talked about this at dinner briefly, because it's one of my passions is to learn how we communicate with each other and the various differences of how we're wired. So a sanguine, which I am, and I thought you were for sure when I first met you because you're so outgoing, but I think that when we look at the personality types, it's, it's really, really important. Jack wants to go back to the question number two. Let's go there real quickly. Jack, go ahead and jump on that. Well, Whitney, we talked about working from home, and I posed a question about creating the culture of community 
and the challenges that a remote workforce gives to that effort to create the community that we all want to. I mean, how do you see that and then contrast that to creating community when everybody is in the workplace? Are the two going to be different approaches to achieve the level of community that we want? I mean, it's such a tough, it's such a hard question right now, just with the way that work is going and the remote work and hybrid structures. But I really think that, I mean, yes, it's harder to connect with somebody through a Zoom conference versus being in person with them. But that's what we've got to work with right now. And so I think that I loved the conversation earlier about having the mentor programs for new employees and just onboarding people into the mix. And personally speaking, I think that that's such a great opportunity for anyone, whether they're a brand new employee, never been in the workforce, or just a new employee to the organization is creating mentor programs with someone who's been there for a lot longer that can kind of show them the ropes. I also think that there's this idea and there's been a lot of research behind the importance of a sense of belonging. And speaking of it being Martin Luther King Day, and we were talking earlier about Simon Sinek's thoughts on I Have a Dream. And he talked about how as human beings, we are tribal animals. And one of the things that ensures success of the tribe is that sense of belonging. And so there's been a lot of research done around that and how when there is a sense of belonging, it's like 56% increase in jobs performance, 75% decrease in employee sick days, which is huge. And so for me, it is harder to create that sense of belonging when you're remote, but I think it can still be done. And it could be little things. It could be things that have to do with making sure everybody has a voice. If decisions are being made and it's a decision where you can allow people to weigh in, you'll get their buy-in, even if it's not the decision they would have made because they had a voice in that discussion. Yeah, right? there's importance of having people feel heard, listened to, coming back, and it's called attunement. It's tuning in to what someone's saying, which oftentimes requires us to repeat back to them, what I thought I heard you say, Whitney, is this, am I correct? That just goes another step, and I wonder how many of us really do that and do that well, and it does create connection and improves community. I totally agree. And when you think about how we've gone so digital and we need to on a lot of levels, but there's mm-hmm. so many surveys that companies are sending out to their people now and they're all digital. So they're kind of putting their thoughts in the mix, but when you can do a one-on-one with someone and yes, it takes extra time to do that, but when you can actually have a human to human conversation around the answers they're giving in those surveys, I think that goes a long way as well. That's a good point. And getting back to the four personality types or the various types of personalities, I think that's just such an important part of learning how to communicate. So Alan, your thoughts on communication. You're a good communicator, Alan. I know you care about your people and you're always very respectful, but what's your thoughts, questions? Oh yeah, I always try my best, but there are a lot of personalities. And I think when you work over Zoom and systems like Slack and Microsoft Teams, the true voice of your question or of the communication is lacking. And so Mm -hmm. people get easily frustrated. I've had a number of calls with employees where they misunderstood something or they didn't understand the tone of how somebody was asking or talking to them. So that's a common thing that happens. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that. I mean, there's clearly going digital is not the easiest thing, especially when it comes to 
someone's expectation of doing a good job or not or how they're collaborating. Yeah, it, it's interesting because my sort of origin story for why I launched Brilliant People in the first place was that I used to have a manager who, in essence, I was a remote employee years ago, and a manager was in Colorado, and the company I worked for was in California. So all of my conversations with this manager were over the phone. I had worked for her for five years, and she was the kind of person that really good at her job, and I had a lot of respect for her. Uh, at her level, but she would say things like, yeah, 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 you're just never going to get that. You're not wired that way. And I'm a really hard charging worker. And so after five years of having someone talk to me like that, Mm -hmm. it, it just crushed me. And so I think that's where that whole communication piece becomes so important is people don't understand how the other side is perceiving them. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired for five years. I kept thinking I'm going to get fired. And I finally realized, how do I bring a different person to the table that connects with her on the level she needs, not in the way I'm used to showing up? And when I started digging into personalities, that was the impetus for me. I started digging into personalities. I realized how she needed me to show up, how she needed me to talk to her, and based on her personality style. And it completely transformed our relationship over the next two years. I think communication is huge. And I think that's something that most of us, again, if I could use myself and I throw myself on the fire all the time, because I can come across so forcefully sometimes, I really try to be careful of watching. I like to watch body language and see people's facial expressions to know if I've said something that didn't come across right. Well, that's really hard to do when you're on Zoom. Yeah, but there are clues that you can pick up. While they may be more subtle and more intentionality has to go into that, there are clues you can pick up, certainly. And even yep. even in texting, I mean, text is really good for getting quick responses, a quick word out to someone. But text messaging can be just such a challenge. And it comes back to communication is really knowing your audience. And you and I talked a lot about, again, about the four personality types and all that. I want to just touch on this because I read you as a very outgoing, extroverted person. And how is it that someone can project themselves as one way. We can pick it up and therefore we may get a communication style going when it actually may not be the most effective with that individual. Yeah, that's a hard one. And not that I'm the only person out there like this. So I have been told for those of you that weren't in that conversation, I've been told I'm an introvert with social skills. (laughs) And I can walk into a meeting or a party or whatever and be perfectly at home. If I've set the intention. I'm here Mm -hmm. for this reason, meet some people. Most people that meet me just think, wow, you're really outgoing and you got a lot to say. I got a lot of words. My family is a very big, loud, loving family. And so I think it's a learned behavior. But in order to, what do you call it, rejuvenate, in order to get energy back, I be by myself and be in silence. And so when I go out and facilitate for an organization, as an example, I'm so excited to be there. I'm so excited to meet people. I'm excited to see the aha moments that they have when we're in this discussion, but it is exhausting. So when I leave and I go home, like sometimes on the drive home, I can barely keep my eyes open because it's so exhausting for me. You might not be able to um, peg somebody for who they are in the way that they're showing up. I mean, I feel like where that's concerned, like I'm showing up in a happy and excited way because I'm genuinely interested in the conversation Mm -hmm. we're having. And it's okay for you to show up that way as well because you're mirroring how I'm showing up. And I think that's the main thing, that you really pay attention to the audience in the moment that you're with them. I think you hit on something that is such a good point and really gets into emotional intelligence is when someone is exhausted after what you thought was they just crushed it watching you perform you would think, man, this is, must be giving you life. 
And it's not the case. And I think that is such an important thing to make sure people get in the proper roles. It's not to say like, like yourself, you've overcome the introverted side of you to project because you're so passionate about what you do. So their motivation there to cause someone to overcome that for the cause that they believe in and really speak out about. Be interesting to know if Martin Luther King, seeing this, this is Martin Luther King Day, if he was an introvert or an extrovert, he certainly was a good communicator especially when it came to that, but I suspect he might have been more of an introvert, but he has passion for his cause, civil rights, which was yeah. such an important one, is what it drove him out there and put him out there in front. So I, it's just really interesting. But how does emotional intelligence play into all of this? Well, I think it's a really good question. Basically, in any given situation, there are going to be emotional and interpersonal needs that we just, we have to be able to respond to accordingly. And where I might be able to show up in a certain way on a given day, I'm having a great day, whatever it is. But the next day, maybe something really heavy is going on and I'm showing up in a way lower energy. I'm hopeful that the people that I'm connecting with, the people that I'm working with day to day are going to be able to read that. And that's not always going to be the case. We just are training sometimes about the fact that we're not mind readers. Mm -hmm. And so you can't, that somebody's going to be able to recognize where your facial expressions for that given day. But I think that the idea is we have to learn how to sort of stretch across the map. If right. you think about the four basic personalities, you have to be able to stretch across the map into the other personalities, comfort zone, if you will. And that's where you get mm -hmm. drained because it's more of a stretch. But for us to be able to have these great relationships and be able to connect with all types, we have to learn how to do that. We have to figure out what it is for those other personalities that they need in a given situation. And so when we're working with them, we're able to stretch into that other area. Yeah. I got a question in from one of our listeners that just popped in, which is really good. It happens to be a client of mine and I'm always talking with them. We, in fact, we were just talking about the book, Good to Great, where James Collins says, get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus and get the right people in the right seats, which goes to the point of this. If you're asking someone to do something that causes them to go home at the end of the day exhausted, are they in the yeah. right place? And should we encourage that or should we refocus them? And then and I want to get your response and then I want to get, let's get around to Alice, Jack and Alan to get their thoughts on it. Because this is one of the key things is getting the right people on the bus in the right seat. There's some people who go, no, I know this is difficult for me, but I'm so passionate. I want to do it. Your thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. Patrick Lencioni, who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, has a lot of work that he's done around the geniuses, like our working right. genius. And yeah. I think that that's a really key point to consider is this thing that I'm having to do, is it draining me or is it giving me energy? And I think that all of us have areas of our work that are going to drain us. And we don't necessarily have the ability to just say, hey, I'm not going to do that thing. Yeah, exactly right. It's just a part of the job. Yep. Right. But to your point of when you're a manager or when you're the owner and you're trying to figure out, is that the right person for this job? It's definitely something to consider is what's their zone of genius and are they the right person? So it's a, it's a consideration that needs to be had. If you're a small company, you may not have the luxury of pulling somebody off a job that isn't their genius. But if you pay attention to that, you can start guiding them in the direction where they're really going to get a lot more joy out of the work that they're doing. And you're going to yeah. get a lot more from that. You get a lot more desired result. Alice, when you're training people, do you see square pegs going into a round hole? I mean, someone that's in a job and it just sucks the life out of them. What's your thoughts on this important topic? 
Yeah, we do a lot up front to make sure we don't have that happen. So we rely very heavily on the disk assessment mm -hmm. and a really thorough interview process. But anything can happen once somebody comes on board and, and maybe the job evolves into something that they weren't really cut out for. So what we do is we spend a lot of time talking to that person and looking at their motivators, looking at their skills and really trying to see if there is another fit for that person. But asking a lot of really hard questions, because you have to get to the bottom of is that, do they still really want to work there and can they be successful? I don't want to just move somebody out and move them to another role to have them still not be successful. So is that success something that can be, even be found in the mm -hmm. mortgage space? Because we are unique. We're always changing. Mm -hmm. Things mm -hmm. can happen at any time. And so for someone who likes a lot of stability, it may be coaching them into maybe they're just not even in the right career. Yeah, we are unique. It's a unique industry. Jack, your thoughts? David, I think Alice touched on it, but I'll expand. Before you can make that assessment, you have to know the people, right? When I managed people, I did what I call waltzing Matilda every day. And what that means to me is, is that for an hour a day, and I know we're all busy, but we're never too busy to connect with our team and get to know them and what motivates them, right? But I would walk my floors an hour every day, and I would talk to the people. I would ask them how it's going. Are we doing this right? Can we do it better? And I'll tell you, David, when you go to the airport, and you get on an airplane, would you get on an airplane and you didn't know where it was going? Of course not, David. I mean, you're leaving Austin and you're headed to Phoenix, right? But no one gets on an airplane and it's leaving Austin and you don't know where it's going, right? So you as a leader in an organization have right. to communicate the vision, the strategy, what are we doing, why is it important, what it's going to take for us to be successful as a team and what that means to everybody on the team that we achieve our success. And so get up out of your chair. Go get to know your staff. Know them as personal as they feel comfortable letting them. And it helps you understand what is their strengths, what is their weaknesses, and helping them find the best seat for them on the bus. Whitney, what's your thoughts on that? we got to wrap this up here in just a minute. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that because, again, it goes back to that sense of belonging, and they feel like they matter, right? They're not just mm -hmm. a cog in the machine. Right. So, absolutely. Well, Jack, you did this when you were in a virtual world for a lot of but but how is that successfully done? Your examples that you've seen, Whitney, were this being done in a virtual world where you're getting around, instead of walking the floor, you're getting on a lot of phone calls? Yeah, you have to get on the yep. phone or get on the Zoom and, and just make the effort to – show people that you actually care. I think that we've gotten to such a place with a lot of these Zoom calls, even when companies are having meetings, people's videos are off. Yeah, that's one requirement that one of our clients, they went in and said, hey, your camera will be on or you will not be on this call. And I think that, right. you know, unless there's an extenuating circumstance, you've got a black eye or some physical issue going on. So let's get over to Alan as we wrap this up. Alan? Yeah, the, the only thing I would really say is just it's difficult to manage people when you're not in person with this new digital world. So like you said earlier, understanding what someone maybe needs from you is really important and trying to sit back and think about that. The same 
type of tone and message doesn't apply to everybody, which is really unique and difficult to, to do. Yep. So true. If you want to get to know Whitney better, you can go onto our website, Look on Lending. Or how would you recommend, Whitney, for people to connect with you? They can go to our website at mybrilliantpeople.com. Mybrilliantpeople.com. Good. And also, we're going to have you on our website because we're partnering together. I'm really excited about this. This is one of those topics that I have such a passion for. Marcus Lamotis says, and the prophet, which is one of my favorite CNBC shows, is he says it's people, process, and product. People being the most important one and also the most challenging. So if you're listening to this, folks, and you're getting something out of this, listeners, please get a hold of Whitney and at least have a conversation with her. She'll give you some great tools. You'll not be disappointed. Alice, Alan, Jack, thanks so much for joining us on the interview today and appreciate it very much. And Whitney, so great to have you as a guest. Look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Folks, that wraps up this Hot Topics segment, and we're so grateful to have you as our listeners. Next week, we're going to have Kathleen of Simple Nexus. She's the new CEO doing a great job. If you've been following Simple Nexus, it's really interesting to hear how I mean, they acquired LBA, and then Simple Nexus got acquired like almost like the week after. It's just so much going on in the M&A space, so I'm looking forward to having Kathleen on. I'm really wanting to focus in on her leadership. And when I sat at a Simple Nexus open house and got a chance to meet her, David Bolin introduced us, and we started talking about it. I was so impressed as I was waiting my turn to go talk to her, how many of her ex-employees that she used to work at came up and talked to her and say how much we miss your leadership. So you're going to want to tune in next week. We're going to be talking to Kathleen. She does a great job. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Simple Nexus. We're getting them as a sponsor. So very excited about that. Say a special thank you to our current sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Accelerate Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, and Lender Toolkit. Appreciate it, folks, being here. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.